What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Better Golf Podcast after a short one-week break. If you aren't doing so already, you can follow Nick on Twitter at StixPicks. You can also follow me at Off Sports. But Nick, how's everything going for you, man, since we've last spoken to one another? Still ice cold, man. I sucked last week. I was uh, a guy we're going to talk about a lot today. I had a large ticket on him, and I keep betting Tony Finau to win. Um, so other me than too. that, I think it's been a losing week since the Colonial. So one, two, three, four losing weeks in a row, which kind of sucks. Ever since Wyndham Clark won the Wells Fargo, I've been slowly given that even that money back a little bit. So um, we'll see how it goes at the Rocket Mortgage. Historically, I do not think I've been good at Birdie Fest in general. I try. We'll try to pull up my card from last year's Rocket Mortgage. Where the hell are you? Here, there it is. 0.27 units of profit. What was the uh, Adam Hadwin top forty? I I think that was a hammer kid play last year. Um, Wyndham Clark top twenty as well. And ooh, Callum Terran top forty. Plus 175 last year is the number. It is plus 270 this year. That is the ticket I have this week. That was a hammer kid play of the week. What are your thoughts real quick on Callum Taren? We'll just uh, kind of throw this whole script out the window and just get right into it. Because ball striking has looked great the last couple of weeks. That's something that you have to like. Um, yes, when I when I ran my model, and one of the things I always like to do is I like to look at how somebody would be performing if they've gotten their baseline short game. Like he was inside the top 10 of my model in a lot of ways that I ran it. So I think the ball striking looks good. You do have to think it's a good course fit for him. I don't necessarily have as strong of a take as you do, but like I, I agree with your general assessment of these birdie fests. They're usually difficult tournaments just because it's, you know, you we'll see what the cut ends up being here. But when you start looking at numbers that reach into that, like four under five under range, there's still a lot that needs to go right to find success in these tournaments. But one thing I will say, I have won at this event the last three years okay. that I have played it. So uh, there's going to be one golfer this week that I am heavily exposed to in every single market. I think if he wins, I mean, at this point, I might just own every single company that I work for. But uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah. And also, congrats to you on Wyndham Clark at the U.S. Open. 100 to 1 or was it 110 to 1? Uh, I got 100 to 1 on him. There were prices like if you had access to Circa. I want to say he got up into that 110 to one range even later in the week. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things that we always talk about, Nick, like it's the course specific nature of these events. And that's why you and I try to build things specifically for the venue on hand. You know, it doesn't mean that Wyndham Clark could have, or would have won this tournament if you would have put it someplace else. But I thought LACC was the ideal fit for him. He was able to use his distance off the tee. You even saw that on 18 where, I mean, that ball should have sprayed it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he sprayed it into nowhere and all of a sudden he's in the fairway there. Um, great putter, the great uh, um, around the green game that he showed at the end. And then the proximity numbers, which we just keep harping on week after week. That's the difference of Wyndham Clark in 2023 over what we've seen in the past. And I'd like to think that you and I were on top of that probably earlier than most people were. And, you know, it's nice. We were, for we were talking about that in the spring. Yeah. And then yeah. we, we hit him at, Wells Fargo, not 100 to 1, but 75 to 1. Still, I think the largest outright I've had this year. So it's fantastic. I mean, I think we were all over the board on on him this year. And I forget who our guy was last year that we were hyping all the time. Uh, I, I wish I Web could remember. Simpson? 
now well that was <laughs> by default but i i had nothing to do with that um but <laughs> yeah and brian Harmon finished the second last week so i'm sure you're just on cloud nine overall regardless of plus or minus in the betting market last uh last week but what else is on the card this week uh so who, who's that guy we all know who the guy is but just so to- Thomas Dietrich for me is going to be the player that I am just all in on on any iteration of the market that you want to talk about. I recommended him in the Rotoballer Discord at 120 to 1, and I'm not exaggerating, Nick. Like, he was pulled off the board on FanDuel within five minutes of that. I think they got this influx of money of everybody who's over on that Discord, and they're like, what the hell is going on right now? Like, they must have alerted something that all these wagers came in in a five-minute span. They put him back up at 120 to one because they're probably like, well, this is nothing like nothing has happened. And then just over the course of the next two or three hours, I mean, at every single book out there, he just kept getting hit. And I have so many wagers on him that, you know, like whether it's an outright, I have a matchup. I bet him through the entire gambit of top five all the way up to top 40. Do you think the safest way to play him is going to be that top 40 wager? That's at plus 130 on bet 365. I think that's a really good price. Like to me, yeah. you mentioned Brian Harmon, like Ludwig Aberg. I, I think those are players that he should be priced next to. Like he's a 50 to one golfer to me in this field that you can still find him outright in the 90 to one plus range. And then also when you talk about these top 40 bets and just natures of that type of business there, he's overpriced or underpriced, I guess, in every single iteration that you want to look at that. So it's going to be a heavy Dietrich card. Um, I've talked a lot about trying to realize your equity in these situations. And that just means that I have extra exposure on some of these plays. Talked a lot recently about my units going down to win seven on these outrights. Like Nick, I bet them 0.10 units at 120 to one. So that was to win 12. I bet them again at 100 to one. So that's 22 units if he wins there. And then you know, just add a unit for every single one of those placement markets, plus the head-to-head matchup that I have with him over SH Kim. Don't necessarily hate hate SH Kim. I always talk about trying to find a fade candidate that you want to take on. Um, I think Dietrich's value is just so off that I preferred going that route than, you know, against the Justin Suh, for example. Like, I like Justin Suh enough to where I, I figured Dietrich versus Kim was the better way to go there, but my tournament is going to be decided by Dietrich. If he misses the cut, this is going to be a bad event. If he comes top 10, this is going to be a very big event. And then if he wins this thing, this will be probably the most legendary tournament I've ever had. Yeah, absolutely. And you could buy better golf with that uh, with that <laughs> win as we have a valuation of $0, I'm sure. But I went Dietrich top 40 on Bet365 at plus 130. I also went pretty heavy on BetMGM plus 110 with the ties paid in full there. So, yeah, I'm very heavily exposed to Dietrich. I bit the 90 to 1 price. So, if you want to sell any shares of your longer tickets on Dietrich, you know who to call. Uh, went Calentarian top 40, as we talked about. I took Christian Bezadenhout top 40 on FanDuel plus 140. Nate Lashley plus 180 on FanDuel. And Adam Shank plus 130 on FanDuel. Also took Taylor Pendrith top 40 on BetMGM at plus 150, where the ties paid in full. My numbers seem to like that a ton. I know Penderson, bad form. We'll probably talk about him in the DFS sector. And then Lee Hodges, top 40. Not sure I like this ticket. Uh, plus 140 on FanDuel as well. So a very back-to-my-roots type of card in the top 40 market. I have 3.85 units at risk. I need three of those guys just to have a, a positive week in general. So the outright market is not very crucial to me. But outrights, I did go Chris Kirk. 
We talked about that on the Gimme with Jason Sobel. Just more of a number grab for me. My numbers still like Chris Kirk a lot. I know he's in terrible form, but he historically just tears up Donald Ross venues. He's finished three straight uh, three straight times in the top 20 at this venue. Also took Sunjay M at 22 to 1 on DraftKings. I think that number has left the station. It has. Um, Max Homa at 18 to 1. I hate that ticket now, but my numbers seem to like Max Homa a lot. Sepp Straka, 60 to 1, and Callum Taran as my throwaway ticket, 175 to 1 on FanDuel. Out of Kirk, Sanjay, Homa, Straka, Taron, and then obviously Dietrich. Um, not counting Dietrich because I know your thoughts on him. Who's your favorite play on the outright market price agnostic? So I have three outrights this week. Um, the one player, and I guess you could say Ludwig, the number moved on me before I could get there. So there would be yeah. two players I missed, but we'll, we'll leave Ludwig out of this for a second. There was one player that did not make my card that I highly considered in Max Homa. Okay. I like that ticket more than you do. I think it's an intriguing number for him. Like I keep talking all the time about how is somebody performing with their baseline short game? Max Homa's missed back-to-back cuts. My model has believed in both of those occurrences. He should have entered the weekend inside the top 30. I don't think the form is as bad as meets the eye right now. I also do have an outright ticket on Sung JM at the 22 to one number that you talked about. I thought 17 to one was my proper price. I think he has this massive ceiling at one of these birdie fest courses. Uh, you know, he merges that top ranked output in my model for expected scoring. When we look specifically for this venue, exceptionally well with an overall birdie fest that we're going to find here. So I would give him as my answer. I did bet Ben Griffin at 150 to one, just to throw another name in there. Boomer bust play. He, I mean, talking about having bad recent form, like we want to talk about it on the betting side of things. Ben Griffin can't make a cut right now. And you could make an argument that that naturally means he's probably a better first round leader play. I probably would have done it if he wasn't going out in the afternoon, but I like the 150 to one number. It's kind of just that boomer bust nature that I'm going to take there. And then I do want to run three head to heads by you. I think these numbers have moved. Uh, unfortunately, it's one of those things where, you know, sometimes you release information and number moves before we can talk about on show. I think most of these numbers are still bettable, but uh, do you have thoughts before I get to the other two on Dietrich minus one twenty over SH Kim? I would go Dietrich. I don't. My numbers do like SH Kim, but his ball striking is just all over the place. I'll go Dietrich all day there. I'm, I'm with you on overexposure to him. I'm going to lock him in probably. Every lineup I do, I may yeah. just hit the lock button in MME. I don't know if I'm going to do MME this week or if I'm just going to build three entry maxes around D-Tree, but I love him. So, yeah, I'm okay with that. I think just overall in general, he's a much more talented player and well-rounded player than SH Kim. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Kim's ball striking right now in my numbers expected. He's like 82nd. So better than his baseline right now. I think he's like in the 90 range, but... I don't know. His iron plays all over the place. Putting's good. Off the tee's going to be good. That's just kind of who he is. But yeah, if he gets hot with the irons, I think you're going to be sweating that ticket a little bit, but it's more unlikely that SH Kim is probably a miscut candidate than Dietrich is. I agree with that. Like to me, this is not one of those miscut versus miscut battles, which is obviously what I'm always trying to find here. I, I do think that the most likely scenario is that this goes to Sunday um, that worries me ever so slightly just because we know Dietrich's inability to close on a Sunday. Like there's a lot of events where it's been on the first page and all of a sudden you look and he comes in 47th place. But 
I'm just going to bet on the upside that my model believes he has. Like, this is not a golfer that pops for me every single week. So when things like this happen, I'm willing to look into that a lot closer than I normally would. And, and to me, this is like one of those prototypical events, Nick, where you don't see these all the time. You need to have distance off the team. I, I don't think that's the only prerequisite that you want to have. But yeah. then it also brings in that short iron proximity where you're going to have over 11% more shots coming from zero to 150 yards than PGA Tour average. So that's a really weird distribution where it's like, okay, hit the ball as far as you can. Yes, you have a tree line nature and thick rough, but still you have a wide open facility here where it's easier to hit fairways and you see it with the added distance. And then find me the players that are good with their wedges. So like there's very few courses and, you know, I think this would have been a get right spot for Cameron Young. I, I wish he would have come to this event and I would have liked to have seen what his number would have been because that's kind of the Cameron Young game. Hit it far, use your wedges. I, I think this would be an event he could have won. So unfortunately, Cameron Young's not here, but uh, yeah, Dietrich I like for all those reasons. And then the other two, I just want to run by you because one markets are completely against my mentality here. And then on the second one, I know you're going to be completely against this, but I want you to give everybody listening the flip side of the answer here. So the first play for me, Nate Lashley, you talked about him a little bit. I assume you're going to be in agree agreement with what I'm going to say here. I took Nate Lashley at plus 108 over Nick Hardy. You could find that up to plus 125 if you have access to bookmaker and some of those sharper books out there. So um, the general public or some of the sharper money definitely seems to be on the Hardy side here over Lashley. But um, I guess the first part of that question, and then you can tell me what you think of the play. Did your numbers like Hardy whatsoever? No, not at all. I have met pre pre bake, like putting in a whole percentage to kind of match the books to see where I really have value. I would have him at 175 to one. I have Lashley at 75 to one. So Overall, like Lash is going to be a favor for me in that matchup every single time. That's pretty much the same mentality that I took there. And there's just a lot of troubling signs when I look at Hardy's data. It's like, it's going to look good on a birdie course. And I think that's what people are pulling at right now, or at least hoping that, you know, inside the top 20 in my model and some of these easier scoring venues. But like, you also look at the proximity from zero to 150 yards. He does a lot of his damage from 175 plus. So he already loses mm -hmm. some of that there. Uh, he has a negative weight in my model when I look at putting. He's 144th in my model when combining proximity from a zero to 150 yards plus the putting there. Kind of a lot of those answers keep just stacking on top of each other. So I was shocked to see Lashley as an underdog. It doesn't mean that I necessarily trust Lashley. My model liked him. I, I do think he's a volatile golfer that has burned me before, but I'm kind of just trying to find that miscut equity that I had on Hardy. And then just as the last play before we move forward, I know this has been about 15 minutes of betting here, but I think it's good conversation that we've had. Uh, Nick, I'm going to make you give me a call here. I got the number at plus 100. I think it's moved to minus 110 now. Um, it's probably just me betting it. Webb Simpson plus 100 over Sam Bennett. I mean, do you have anything positive to say here? No. I mean, Sam Bennett has upside. <laughs> Webb Simpson has no upside. Uh Dude, I don't know. Did he even let's see? Hell, he gained strokes approach at Travelers. Let's see the ball striking each round. He had one ball striking round inside the top 40. That was round two. He shot four under Webb. I mean, there's some upside there. He showed it a little bit. I, I don't know. I mean, when push comes to shove, I think I'd certainly want to pick on Sam Bennett, but I, I don't know. I just I want nothing to do with Webb. I'm retired from Webb. 
I'm good. I'm just good on it. Bennett can pound the ball. Has he played a down on Ross course yet? I don't have it up in front of me right now. Um, I mean, his I don't... putting has been awful on fast screens and lightning greens, t- potentially, if you think it's going to dry out a lot. Yeah, uh, I think there's a possibility of that. I also think that it's Bennett be hot. has... I think Bennett's reached this portion of the board right now where he's getting overly inflated in a lot of ways that my model doesn't necessarily agree. Like if you look at Ludwig, he's third in my model without me touching the data. I decided not to touch and and fiddle with the data for Sam Bennett either. And he's still outside the top 100 for me. So like, obviously he's producing. I don't know if my model necessarily thinks he's going to produce on this course. And I don't think she would mind me telling the story because I think she publicly said it on Twitter. Um, I might have to ask her. So if it gets pulled from the show, then it gets pulled from the show. But, uh, you know, I'm not editing it. You're saying it. This is a speak now forever. Hold your peace. (laughs) I think she'll be fine with me saying it. But uh, on the, the Friday night of the or Saturday morning of the U.S. Open, all of a sudden I get a text from Steffi Smalls and like Sam Bennett's in the top 10 of the leaderboard. And he is just on Twitter right before his round, liking every single picture from her. I don't think this dude's serious about golf. I, I think he has about other her. Pre- just, just he, he was creeping Steffi. Yeah, I mean, nice. Like, I so I don't know. I, I don't think her. this guy's very serious about the game of golf at this point. So, um, I've heard some weird stories with him that he doesn't look at his numbers. He doesn't know how far he hits some of his stock shots, like. To me, this sounds like somebody that is just waiting to implode one of these weeks. And I'm sure he's a really talented kid to get himself in this position. But I mean, Nick, he's he's no Webb Simpson. That's kind of where this story keeps going back to. Like, you can be good. You can be a PGA Tour player. You're not Webb Simpson. Oh, just the old crafty veteran against a new. uh, I mean, he's cocky. Definitely. He he does a massive twirls and sits on the tee box for a minute and a half um, his short game numbers are rough i like any he, he does not have a log around in my numbers at least on a donald ross course so fucking what is web though it's got to be terrible can i tell you what i like about web and i mean it's not i mean i give this answer every single week but there's like a real a real statistical reason behind this rather than because like i feel like a lot of times i do it tongue-in-cheek like I mean, 95% of the time, I think at this point, <laughs> last year might've been more serious with all the web conversations. Like my model has not necessarily liked them one time in 2023 or like there may be one or two occurrences. Um, it loves his ability to hit his wedges and to make the putts. I, I just think this is a really nice course setup for him where you remove some of those longer shots. I know distance matters here, but I think he's just a player who's going to find a bunch of fairways. Who's going to give himself a bunch of looks here uh, versus a golfer for me and Bennett. That is highly volatile. I don't know what to expect. I wouldn't be shocked if Bennett goes either direction here to where he continues this run or like this starts becoming a couple miscuts in a row. And it's like, okay, well now Sam Bennett's reach kind of like the, and it's not the same example. Cause I think Bennett's a better pedigreed golfer but it's kind of like the ben griffin thing where ben griffin got hot to start and then all of a sudden it's just like seven miscuts in a row and it's like well this is not what i thought ben griffin was i'm a little bit afraid that this is what happens to sam bennett and there's nothing to say that this doesn't turn into a miscut miscut battle you have the negative volatility for me and Webb. like that's going to be something natural here but 
Uh, he really climbed for me from an upside perspective. That's enough Webb Simpson talk, but I did think plus a hundred was a good price against the golfer that I was trying to take on. And that's what I liked about the answer. Like you could have gotten rid of Webb, and I know you're not a big fan of like Carson Young this week. Like you could insert Carson Young into the mix. You could insert Nate Lashley. You could insert any of these other names that you want to talk about that are in that same general vicinity. I would have bet any of those players against Bennett. It just so happens that Webb was the name at that one particular book. Yeah. And the market's going in your favor. I think that's it is. Yeah, that's fair. All right. DFS. Perfect. 10 K and above start off with Justin Thomas lit it up last week. Top 10 in ball striking top 10 and around the green. Is he back? I know FedEx cup. So we'll talk about that a lot too. The motivation he's outside the top 70, I believe right now in FedEx cup points. Uh, potentially Ryder Cup. Like, I don't know. I feel like JT's still going to be at the Ryder Cup. It's JT. Like, he's a fan favorite. He's a killer when it comes down to it. JT, I see 18% in or out. It's a troubling thing to me that now all of a sudden JT goes up 18%. Everybody wants to jump back in. Um, no, there's motivation there. He's never played this event. He's coming because he needs the points. It also seems like it's a good course fit for him. Like I, I don't have a problem with the venue. I guess my question to the short respond, iron prox is just so good. And, yes. and if he did find his swing, I, I think he is a great play. L- let me ask you this. Like I'll ask a question to your question here. So we have six players, 10 or five players, $10,000 and above. Like who do you like him better than who do you like him worse than, or is he just at the very top for you? No, Finau is going to be at the top for me. It's, I'm just going to keep riding this train. I think Kyle Morikawa is probably the lowest. I like Same Max Homa. I like Max Homa a ton, especially if he's at like 10 to 12 percent. I don't. Ricky at 26 percent seems like you just you take him off and you pray. You could probably play everybody at that point. You could play JT. You could play Homa if you want yeah. to play Con. You could play Con. Play Tony Finau. I mean, Tony Finau rises in events that just don't have any players. He's bombing the ball right now. His putter's really the only thing that's holding him back, and I believe he's historically putted very well at this venue. So, you know, I always like that when they come to a surface that they've succeeded on, especially when they have, you know, history here. Um, well, I guess he's only played twice. In 2020, it was pretty bad. But last year, let's see what his putting was. I know he just ball struck the hell out of the place. Putting was awesome at the Rocket Mortgage, one of the best in the field. So I it's a weird feel like I for... feel like I want to play JT because I'll likely get rid of Ricky. I think that's a fair answer. Um, to me, my favorite play is probably Max Homa for the reasons that you talked about. If you're telling me that I can get him as the lowest owned player, which seems likely. And uh, this is also coming from somebody that butchered the ownership percentages last time that we had a show together. So that was a fun show. (laughs) I'm hoping that my numbers are right this week. I did double check them. Everything seemed to be correct. If it gets egregious on some end with it, we'll, we'll have a conversation and maybe it's wrong again, but uh, I also see Max Homa as the lowest owned player. I just think the form is better right now than the general public believes it is. He's the number one player in me and expected strokes gain total. I'm going to be in on Homa. I think from there, that's where it gets really tricky. I'm out on Morikawa. I will add that to the mix. I don't know what I want to do with Finau, Fowler, and Thomas. I do think you have to pick and choose your spots here. Um, I, I don't really know, Nick, to be honest with you, of those three. Like I have not made a decision yet. 
Ricky's number one in my model this week. I understand why everybody wants to play him. I think Thomas and Finau give you that upside that you would like in these situations, but uh, it's very small margins. It's going to come down to ownership. Like I'd like to see where we're at in 24 hours from now. My single entry right now has the ability for, obviously if it's got the ability for Ricky, it's got the ability for Homa. Ricky or Homa? I would rather, with ownership being included here, I would rather play Homa. All right. There you go. Homa's in the lineup. Um, let's go to the 9K range. Any fades for you? Like Tom Kim, I think I'll probably be out on him if he's going to be right around 20%. Yeah. Hideki's garnering a ton of ownership. Cam Davis, I think I'm out. Uh, Keegan Bradley, I, I'm, I think I'll keep Keegan Bradley. Harris English withdrew, so he's gone. Um, so it's Keegan, Cam Davis, Sanjay M., Tom Kim, Hideki. Who's your favorite? And then we'll kind of just move on from there. I I hate the ownership for Cameron Davis. I, I love the upside, and it's, it's funny because all the reasons why I like Thomas Dietrich to me, Dietrich is like the 1B version of what Cam Davis is. Yeah. But it's also a 35 to 1 golfer versus a 90 to 1 golfer, a 7,400 price golfer versus a $9,300 golfer, a 15% plus own guy versus, you know, whatever Dietrich ends up. I think he's picking some steam up. But uh, I, Davis has a lot of volatility. That always worries me. I'll probably be out for that reason. It, it wouldn't shock me if he produced here, but I don't want a 15% own Cam Davis. Uh, Tom Kim is, I mean, he's, he's missed four cuts and made four cuts in his last eight events. Like he's just he a mixed bag. I feel like for nine K it's just a little, a little much for a guy that just does not have the iron play he's had the last two years. So I'd be fine paying 9,300 for Cam Davis, who's peak form and crushing his irons, ball striking his top 30 in the PGA. Like that's just not who he is right now. And the putter sucks. So putter's bad. I'm out. Yeah, I'm probably out just from an ownership reason more than anything. My model also, like it had a high upside, low floor. You don't necessarily want that with the ownership there. But um, Tom Kim, here's an interesting thing with Tom Kim. So I am probably out with Kim also. Uh, I was reading reports on Twitter on Sunday that he was limping around the course. Um, I don't know what's wrong with him. First, it was the wrist. Now it seems like it's something with his knee or his legs. So uh, that's worth keeping an eye on here. I'm probably going to be out on him. I'm, it's kind of like with Hideki, the same answer I gave with Fowler. I think the ownership is fine. Um, it wouldn't shock me if Hideki won this tournament, just like it wouldn't He's shock me so if well. Ricky Fowler. Yeah. Like, they are the number one and two players for me when I ran this from an overall look, so I have no problem with Hideki. I'm going to play Sungjae because of the upside. I know that there's some volatility with him, but if I'm going to go the volatile route, I would rather play Sungjae over Cam Davis. I think I'm fine with Keegan. Also, um, we consistently get this thing in the market where somebody wins and then all of a sudden everybody jumps off of them. I think this is a really nice course fit for him. We've seen him fine here historically the couple times he's played it. Um, you know, three top 45s. I don't think this place necessarily has the best rollover course history predictability, but still good to see that he's made three cuts here. I am curious your thoughts. Well, I guess it's in the next section. We'll move into the 8,000s here and talk about the Jaeger and the Harmons and the Abergs. All right. I mean, Harmon, I'm probably out on somewhat of a bomber's course. Uh, I'm probably just going to pass. I like Chris Kirk a ton. Um, she's kind of buying low. I know the form's awful and that's going to keep ownership down. But again, I'll take the down Ross history. I think Aberg is just an absolute stud. I mean, he lit up the travelers was shooting 65 on the daily. It felt like swings beautiful. He's a bomber. 
Short irons are good. Um, again, hasn't logged a PJ round on Donald Ross yet, so I'm interested to see how he handles all of that. The ownership's fine. It's going to be 15%, yeah. but I don't know. It's just such a price hike for Aberg. I don't know if I'm going to be into it. And Alex Smalley, 8,600. How, how about that? Yeah. Um, I feel like I feel like I've been the king of Smalley every single week. I don't know if I made the pricing for this. All of a sudden now Smalley has jumped way up there. But uh, I like Aberg. I, I, I think he is legitimately this good. It doesn't mean – and this is where the problem comes into play here. I, I always tend to think – and this is kind of the answer I was trying to give at the beginning, and I might have scooted around it a little bit too much. When you get these birdie fest venues – so much can go wrong for every single player in the field. Like all of a sudden Ricky shoots four under par and the cuts five under par and he really didn't do anything wrong over two days and he misses the cut. That always worries me more so when getting some of these high owned players. I don't know if the separation becomes as much when it becomes a birdie fest here. Uh, I don't have any data to back that up in front of me, but it's just something that I've always felt from playing this. So, um, you know, I would be cognizant of the ownership if nothing else, but uh, like I, I texted you this even from like a season long perspective, Nick, with uh, Ludwig before he ever played a tournament. I was like, I think he might be the most priority out on the entire board. Is he worth using the oh, more yeah. spot on? Obviously, the answer was yes. I used it there. Uh, funny enough, Brian Harmon was dropped in that league and I was absolutely panicking. How could I possibly use the number one waiver priority with Brian Harmon now out there? Got Brian Harmon also. So the team never wins the game. I might have the greatest team ever that just every single week gets dismantled, but uh, that's like neither here nor there, I guess with it. But, um, I don't know what to think about Harmon this week. Like I agree with you, Nick, that this is a venue where you would like the distance. He grades fine for me. He's inside the top 11 of my model. Um, that's kind of adequate pricing with where he's at. I don't know if I necessarily have massive takes on anybody else. Like I'll probably be in on Sep Straka. I, I, I do like, like Sep. Sep. Um, most of these other names, like you could convince me on Adam Hadwin for upside here. Uh, I'm like fine. Adam. I'm fine with him at IC sub 10%. I don't know what you have on him, Nick. Yes. Um, Hadwin is one of my priority plays. I see 8%. See, this is great when my numbers are actually in tune to what you have. And I'm not just saying outlandish shit on the show. <laughs> I, I have 7.27% on Hadwin. So I, I like him there, but... I, I don't know, man. Like most of these other players, I'm kind. I'm gonna of make like, Austin Ekro choke beat or Austin Ekro chalk beat me. I'm not gonna play him. I mean, his ball striking was not nearly as good as it was in the last couple rounds. He didn't have one round. He did his round four at the Travelers was inside the top thirty in ball striking. But other than that, dude, I mean, he's a great putter. That's gonna help here. I mean, I think he can go low, but sixteen percent Austin Ekro. I'm out. Yeah, I, I hate the ownership there. Model likes him. Um, he's one of those negative movers, though, when I look for upside. Like, I always say the worst chalk you can play is the chalk that is good for safety and bad for upside. Like, that's the negative route you want to go. I'd rather play chalk that is high for upside and the safety isn't quite as good. I mean, that's probably, there's other reasons to not play that golfer because of the volatility that they bring to the table. That would be like a Justin Thomas sort of answer there. But at least I know with Thomas at any point, he can shoot a 60 and win this event. Um, Ekrote doesn't necessarily have that same upside, even if we're comparing apples to oranges here with the players that we're talking about. But I guess the only other player that I at least want to mention, just because I see a lot of ownership on him, I don't know if you have the same, Ben on. Yeah, I see 10%. 
Yeah, I, I have a little bit more than that, a couple percent more than that. Like, I don't, to me, that's kind of the same answer that I would give for Ekrod, I guess. Like, not the upside I want with the safety numbers that look good in my model, but I'd rather just use that in other capacities than GPPs. Yep, I'm with you there. All right. 7K range. Um, let's go with guys we like a lot. Um, otherwise, the ownership's going to be an Aaron Rye. I think I'm going to take that out. I don't like mid-tier chalk. JJ Spawn, probably going to take that out. Don't like mid-tier chalk. Hubbard, they, all these guys are over 12%. Probably going to take that out as well. Doug Gim, I know he's striking the hell out of the ball right now, but I do never trust a Doug Gim. <laughs> like, so yeah. going around those guys' ownership, 7,800 Aaron Rye. I like Christian Bezaden how to 5% ownership way more than I like Aaron Rye at even 10%, and it's going to be right around 15 um, 7,500. I like Thomas Dietrich at 3%, way more than I like Hubbard at 10%. And Doug Gim at 13%, and Sam Stevens at 10%, and Hardy right around 10%. I'm going to go to a guy that has upside, hasn't shown it in a while, but he was, let's see, I guess. Obviously, last year he was great here, finished second. Um, I love what I saw out of him on Friday at the Travelers. It was a top 30 round in ball striking. He was number one in scrambling, which I think scrambling at any down Ross course is going to be important, especially when it's narrow fairways. And 12th off the tee. So give me Taylor Pendrith at sub 5% ownership at 7,400. I think he's got a lot of upside. I think Shank at 7,300 is safe. He's probably going to be pretty popular. I think Lashley's okay. People may inflate his ownership just because course history. Yeah. Um, and then I like Lee Hodges at 7,200 hitting the ball pretty well. Other than that, I think it's more of like just a range that you pivot and looking at this, it looks like everybody's going to kind of take a one K guy, one K guy, likely Tom Kim or Hideki or Sanjay and go on with their life. I think you can get two guys. I think you can get Finau Ricky. I think you can get Finau Homa. If you love Finau, I don't, you know, I don't think you have to. I certainly think he's got the highest upside and probably the safest four up top. Um, maybe other than Ricky with the form that he's in, but it's a good week to get different. And I think it's going to be a good week to get very low aggregate ownership in GPPs this week. Last week was pretty chalky for the most part from the lineups that I did see. I don't want to call it chalky. I mean, it's just great overall builds. Like they were well-rounded builds, but to make Mark Hubbard, Sam Stevens, Doug Gim, and Aaron Rye chalk on what we all, for the most part, people are telling themselves they want guys that are very elite off the tee. None of those guys check that box. Maybe Sam Steven, I guess he pounds it, but yeah, I want, I think Taylor Pendrith has a little bit of a coming out party finally because the ball striking is slowly getting better. I know the cuts and the finishes aren't, but he's got comfortable, you know, he's got comfortability at this course, if you want to call it that, with the second place finish last year. But yeah, uh, 7K range for you. Sorry, I'm rambling. No, and I think you brought up a really good point here. And and even if I removed ownership, like let's say everybody was 0% owned just for the sake of this discussion here. And I think this is when, when you get one of those group think mentalities that everybody seems to be on the same players. Um, Shit. Stop the show. Ches Reavy, 13%. Right, do you have something similar? Uh, I have. What the fuck is going on? No. Yeah, I, I have chest. 9%. But okay. I mean, oh. it's still pushing up there. Yeah. Yeah, get that out of here. Yeah, I, I like to me, I think we have one of those positions right now that even if you took ownership away, like I would rather play Justin Suh. I'd rather play Bazadenhout. I'd rather play Dietrich than any of those names that you talked about with Chalk there. Um, 
that is usually a really good recipe when you know everybody's going one way and you can get different on names that I actually think are like legitimate top 15, 20 players in this event that all seem to be sub 10% ownership. So I like them. Um, I don't know if there's anybody else that you miss there. Like I'm somewhat, and this is, I'm going to be on my own island here, I would assume, but I'm somewhat intrigued by Brendan Todd. I know this is not one of those, you always think of Todd at these shorter plotter sort of venues and something that you can mash it off the tee, but the numbers liked him fine. I, I, I kind of would just be betting him for the upside that my model had on him. Don't know if you have thoughts there. I like Lashley for the reasons that you mentioned. I'd like to see where the ownership goes. The only other name that I guess I'll throw out there, um, and we've gotten, well, I guess Ben Griffin for, I talked about him for an outright, but just for the upside that he possesses, but uh, we've gotten burned in this spot quite a few times. Alex Noren, I kind of like Noren this week. I'll play Noren in MME. That is it. Not a priority in the single entry or anything like that. That is fair. Um, and then I guess just if you go down a little bit further, um, Harry Hall graded well for me. Webb Simpson graded well. Um, that car you on? And oh, we'll get to the six K range. My bad. Jumping the gun. Uh, we can we can move there now. All right, six K range. I like one guy a ton. Calum Terran. I'm gonna play a lot of them. I don't know if I have anybody in the six K range that necessarily like way pops off the board for me. Um, do you have thoughts on Chesson Hadley? I mean, he was a name that kind of popped in my model. I just don't know what kind of upside you're getting from him, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Lipsky graded well. Aaron Baddeley. Um, Baddeley did did decent for me. What about Yuan and Shelton? You got any love for them? I like Norman. I always like Norman. I'm going to play Davis Thompson again. Yeah, I mean, Shelton, Norman, Thompson. Those are all players I seem to be on every single week. Uh, my I like model, Akshay a little bit. Akshay. And Kevin Yu graded out well. He's 7K, but every, everybody's probably going to start to migrate to Kevin Yu. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with... I mean, Carl Yuan's a golfer that I've mentioned so many times. I don't think he's ever made a cut when I've picked him. And then when I've been off him, all of a sudden he's like winning the tournament. But uh, to me, fringe cut maker that if he puts it together, I do think he has some potential compared to some of these guys to work up the leaderboard. Like, I'd rather bet on his upside than... I mean, I hate just randomly throwing names out there, but um, like Kramer Hickok, like I'd rather play him for the upside over Hickok, I guess. But I don't know. There's not a ton of players for me that I, I have massive opinions on. Um, I didn't mention that I do have a top 40 on Hadley at, I believe, plus 320. So, I mean, that kind of gets you into the general idea of what the market thinks of Hadley this week. Maybe yeah. he's just a better top 40 bet for that reason. But no, I mean, there's not a lot for me, unfortunately. Okay. Well, that's that's all I got. I think my guy in the 6K range is going to be Callum Terran. And I'm going to put him in my single entry. We'll see what happens. Shout out Will Gordon. Uh, Ball Strikers yeah. Paradise. But God damn, it's in, he in terrible form. So I probably can't go back to Will Gordon this week. But uh, that's all I got. Um, not super excited for the venue, but I do think it's a great week to get different. I think there's a lot of good pivots. Um, gave you a couple names there. I'm not sure which ones I believe in the most at the moment, but there are tons. There's a lot to consider for sure. Like definitely try to figure out where you're different than the market. That's really easy to do. Um, when you run some numbers, you can obviously use my model to find some of that. But before we get out of here, you want to give what your favorite bet is and who's going to win this tournament? Who's going to win? Oh, I think Max Homa finally gets it done. 
I do like Ricky a ton too with the Rocket Mortgage uh, sponsorship and everything. And he's just been so damn close. I would love for him to win. It's just not going to have it be a ticket that I have. Favorite ticket? Give me Thomas Dietrich, top forty. I, I'll go with the uh, the Tyce Payton full one on BetMGM at plus one ten. I think it should be my, closer to minus one thirty. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I'm a little bit afraid that Ricky is going to win this and he burns everybody at a number that is hard to get to. I like your Max Homa call. I very much consider that it's going to be painful for all the times I've backed him recently that I could not get there on a ticket. I'm going to say my favorite play. I'm going to go with the Thomas Dietrich route. I'm going to say top 40 at um, bet365 plus 130 there. I do think that if you don't have access to that book, Nick's route, getting ties paid in full is a really good way to go there. And I mean, you only live once, right? I guess Thomas Dietrich will win this event. Ew. I think that that is, I mean, at this point, I am so all in Nick. Like if he pulls this off, it's a 30 unit plus week for me. Uh, I don't know how I could come on this show and say anything other than him. Like I think the most likely winner, if it's not him, is probably like that. Fowler, Sungjae, Homa sort of trio there, however you want to look at them. I think Hideki makes a lot of sense too as a fourth name, but I don't know. There's just so many similarities in my model between Dietrich and Cam Davis. And this is almost exactly where Cam Davis graded out two years ago when he won this event. Like in almost every single metric, he was a little bit better of an iron player. Uh, I would say Dietrich's a better putter. You equal those two things together, you average them out. Thomas Dietrich wins this. Um, and I guess I own every single company and maybe I retire after that with all the money I have. All right. On the dumpster board real quick, Matai Schmidt, Augusto Nunez. You like any of them? Uh, Schmidt's a bomber. Grades out. Okay. For me. So did Nunez. I can't figure out why they were pushed. So high up the board, not like they were sub one fifty to one or anything, but I don't know. Augusto Nunez is just a, disaster on the green so i'm gonna take him out hell with it i think both of those two players have what you're looking for at least if you're shooting for upside like they both climb in my model for upside and fall for for safety that's kind of what you want if somebody can spike for a couple days i don't i don't know if what i mean if we're talking dfs here i think they're perfectly acceptable names to keep in mind i don't know if i'm going to get there on either but i don't have a problem there um just to throw one more name out there I don't know if I want to actually. My model hates him, but um, throw it out. Let's who do who do we got? All right. Do you have any thoughts on Scott Stallings? I am playing him. Donald Ross numbers are fantastic. Yeah, he's I mean, just, of course, history. I, I play fantastic. him all the time. I literally play him all the time. Ball striking in the last fifty rounds at this type of setup, with or without Donald Ross, just oh, he's he could go low. Maybe that's a first round leader type of guy. Yeah, I, I think he probably plays best in that capacity. Um, fun fact, I dropped Scott Stallings to pick up Brian Harmon. Uh, that that's is about as big move. of a win as you can get there. So um, that felt like just a nice trade to make, if nothing else. But yeah, Stallings is, I mean, if you're looking for like a course history sort of answer here, uh, I don't know how many players, I don't have it up in front of me right now, have played this event all four years. He's played it all four years. He's made all four cuts. Every single year has gotten better than the year before. He went from 64th to 39th to 25th to 10th. Maybe this is the year he top fives this. I don't necessarily believe that that's going to be what happens, but I mean, he has the upside at least to consider him. I love it. All right, Nick, uh, anything else? 
I'm good. No, let's fire away. All right. So if you are not doing so already, you can find Nick on Twitter at Sticks I am at Tee Off Sports. And as always, if you have any questions about the week from either a DFS or betting perspective, you can reach out to us at one of those handles to get any of those questions answered. Once again, thanks to everyone who makes us a part of their weekly research process. And we look forward to seeing you guys back here again next week. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.